On this edition of Larry the Golf Guy, we talk to Dr. Stephen Holler. Um, this is a little bit of a different podcast than some of the ones we've done, um, but I, I think uh, folks will enjoy it. So I met Steve a few months ago. Steve is um, a uh, dentist in Warsaw, Indiana. He was born and raised there, and he still lives there. Um, he is uh, a member of the Western Golf Association, and uh, we talk a little about that. Um, and uh, Steve is also someone who has played uh, literally all over the world, um, and we talk about that. And you'll see as we get into the golf part of the conversation, his knowledge of golf history and golf architecture um, is pretty neat. Uh, but uh, the first part of the podcast, we talk about um, what Steve did uh, for the first part of his life uh, before he became a dentist and before he became a golfer, which is um, being a member of um, uh, state high school championship team in basketball in Indiana, um, and then turning around a year or two later and being in the movie Hoosiers, which of course is about um, a, a small high school in Indiana winning the state high school championship. So um, uh, we talk a, a lot about that and, and some cool and neat experiences he had with, about that. And then we get into the golf. And towards the end, we have quite an extended conversation about um, Turnberry, his favorite course in the world, and reminiscing about Tom Watson's, um, both his win over Nicholas um, in 77 and, and, of course, his um, so close to winning the British Open in 2009 at the age of 59. So wide-ranging, fun conversation. Uh, hope you enjoy it. I had a lot of fun, as I always do, talking to Steve. Um, upcoming next on Larry the Golf Guy. Well, welcome to another edition of Larry the Golf Guy. And I'm so excited today. We have with us um, Dr. Stephen Holler, um, who is uh, famous for so many reasons, um, you know, an Indiana basketball star, which we'll talk about, um, uh, member of the Western Golf Association. Steve and I met a few months ago through a mutual friend at a golf trip out here, played all over the world, lots to talk about. Um, hey, Steve, thank you so much for joining us today. I'm looking forward to this. Larry, thanks. I've been a I've been a big fan, and I've uh, been following your podcast, and, and so many of your interviews are fun, and and this should be fun. Uh, not not probably your uh, typical golf interview, but we're gonna have a lot of fun with this. I have no doubt we are. So um, let's sort of sort of wind back the clock and go sort of back to the beginning. Um, so you are uh, you grew up in Warsaw, Indiana. You're still there. Um, tell me what it was like growing up there and kind of how you got into sports, obviously basketball and golf and all that stuff. What was it like growing up in Warsaw? Well, uh, it's funny being, uh, being someone who loves California and the coast, uh, where, where you're located, uh, the Midwest is a whole, whole different animal for so many reasons. And, uh, an area where I grew up and, uh, I was eager to leave Indiana, I was eager to uh, go go fly and and uh, set my own way. Uh, was gonna gonna never ever come back to Warsaw, Indiana. And uh, <laughs> thirty years later, here I am for so many reasons. <laughs> <laughs> 
that's funny. So how did you get, so sports, obviously, I guess, we'll, and we'll get into this, you know, obviously you played basketball in, in high school and college. So how did you get into sports and was it just basketball or would you get into golf as a youngster? Obviously I know you're such an enthusiastic and, and, and good golfer now, but how did that sort of uh, role, if any, did that play in your childhood? Sure. That's a great question. You know, it, it's funny in the, in the Midwest, and I think my parents did a great job um, of just kind of letting me uh, go a uh, little, little bit high strung kid. And uh, they probably felt like uh, let, let, let him uh, go out on the, the playing field, whatever it is and, and try his hand. So really uh, actively uh, and, and I'm, I'm of the age where AAU was not around. Right. So it really, when you look at, for some reason, I seem to, to choose sports that skill was so important as I look back at the sport. So my sports in high school were tennis, baseball, and basketball. Okay. And I always, I always ask my patients, I always say, well, particularly the kids that come in and see me, I always say, well, what, great, you play three sports, what do you love? Right. And my answer then would have been, well, no question, Indiana kid, I love basketball. And I did. Sure. And you notice golf never even came in there. I never, I never, ever even played golf. Uh, I thought the golfers were a little weird. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and they certainly weren't a group I was going to hang out with at the time. And, and I, I think it really led from, uh, from an idea that the, in the Midwest, uh, per particularly Indiana, Northern Indiana. I'm pretty close to South Bend, Indiana, which I'm about 35 miles from Notre Dame. Yeah. And, you know, our season's not terribly long. So uh, in the summertime, we were bouncing around ball and that's really what I love to do. Fair enough. So, so um, you're playing in, in uh, as, as a youngster um, and you end up playing, of course, on your high school team and, um, I think all of us, um, you know, from across the country, if we weren't familiar with Indiana basketball, certainly got introduced to it through the great movie Hoosiers, which we'll talk about in a minute. But um, talk to me about what it was like playing in high school and, and maybe explain for people who may not be familiar with it, how back then, and I think this was probably the case up until 97, uh, the Indiana State Tournament, one of the charms of it, if for the high schools was it was all in one division you bet and and uh when you talk about basketball in indiana i mean it's it's a it's a fabric of communities it it really uh at our time it was a it was uh a way of life for so many even if you didn't play so many in the community uh you know they they might have been drawn together uh, at a time by uh uh, social events or church or and in so many ways sports draws us together and basketball right. was that brand because boy winners can be a little tough in the midwest yeah. and yeah. basketball uh, right on basketball for so many years has has been the has been the fiber uh, that that ties so many people together and I played in a time in the eighties when the, when the gyms were, were to the ceiling, to the rafter. I mean, so many people on the coast, so many people in Florida, so many people that, that weren't familiar with Midwest basketball, uh, particularly Indiana basketball, couldn't believe uh, at one point we had 10 of the largest high school gyms in the world. We still have wow. the number one 
largest high school basketball gym in Newcastle, Indiana. Wow. Um, to, the, to this day, which is amazing. When you, when you think about that high school and, and uh, these weren't just places they would build and wouldn't, you know, get filled up. They, they would get filled up every Friday and Saturday night um, for, for games. So basketball was, basketball was, it was easy. Uh, I mean, you grew up and you'd watch the games and, and uh, you didn't really want to be anything else except play basketball. If you could pull it off and get a spot on the team and get a uniform. And uh, that was a big deal. And I fortunately was a, a type of player. I was a role player. I was a point guard, Larry. Uh, I played point guard and, and could handle the ball really, really well, fortunately, and was an average shoot, shooter and, and pretty slow. Uh, but I, I think I faked most of the guys out because I was so slow I could fake them out. And <laughs> so, so talk to me about um, – the magical 1984 season in high school and what that was like and um, where you guys went all the way. Well, it, it, it's a neat time. You know, I mentioned Warsaw, Indiana, and, and I, I'll come back to that, a, a place I never thought I would leave. And really the truth of it is uh, uh, my, my patients in my practice asked me, they say, well, Steve, why did you come back to Warsaw after all your schooling? And and I tell them uh, my junior year, I, I sank the, the winning free throws to win the state championship. And I tell them if, if I had missed those free throws, I would never have come back to Warsaw. <laughs> <laughs> what was that like? I mean, you're at the Zenith. You're at, um, if I'm remembering right, I think it's in Market Square Arena, the finals right. for the state tournament, which uh, you know isn't around anymore. But of course, I mean, I remember those. Pacer teams who used to play there back in the day. Um, oh, yeah. uh, Cause you know, but back then I was in Chicago and, you know, with uh, the bulls playing the, uh, the Reggie, know, the Reggie Miller days. Yeah, exactly. Right. Right. But um, so um, you're there and, you know, just to set the stage for people, you know, it's um, you're up by one point, a couple of seconds left. And of course they follow you, you know, the other team, they want to get, you know, to get the ball back. What are you feeling as you go to the line there with all of that on the line? You know, you know, I, I want to answer that, but, but the, 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 I think the stage in Indiana basketball, you got to backtrack a little bit. Yeah, uh, do, please do. Look at the, when you look at the state tournament, Larry, in the day, it, it was a one bracketed tournament. The smallest schools, the largest schools were all in the same bracket. So it's a right. single elimination. You lose, you go home. Right. Uh, and, and that's just how the tournament was geared. And, and everybody got a crack at everybody. And you, it was all regional. So you played your regional teams first and, and then you would feed to the state finals, ultimately to a final four. So you'd have four final teams, but right. within that, the amazing part, I mean, you're 18, 19 year old kid, So it really, people make a big deal out of it, but it didn't matter. You would play two games in a day. So when you would go to the sectional, um, you would play all week long because sectionals, you know, I mean, it's the great pyramid of feeding that right, right. similar to the NCAA tournament now, right, right. but the play in games were like the sectional. I mean, you had game long and then on Saturday, you'd have two games, a morning and an wow. evening game wow. and the sectional winner moves to the regional. And then the regional was two games in one day. Winner wow. moves on. You go to the semi-state. Well, fast forward. That was my junior year in high school. And we were good. We were really good, but uh, we were going up in the semi-state against Michigan City Rogers, 
and they had a, a young player named Delray Brooks who went on to play at IU and then went on to play for Patino at Delaware. Oh, wow. And oh, wow. Michigan City Rogers, that's back when USA Today was ranking high school teams. They were 29-0 and 0 and ranked number one in the nation. Wow, Michigan wow. So we run up against them in the, in the semi-state final game. So the winner goes to state finals. And we have a tie ball game, and our coach calls a play in the semi-state at Fort Wayne Coliseum, where the Fort Wayne Comets play. And we inbound a play, run it up the left side. The play all goes kind of haywire. Uh, we throw. So, so the way the, the, the play was supposed to go to our best players didn't even go that way. It went up the left side of the court, and we ended up getting a layup, and we beat the best team in the nation by two points. Wow. So that put us in the state finals. So that really wow. – I mean, it really – I, we weren't expected to win. And, you know, it's funny in sport, Larry, when you, when you look at winning and losing in basketball in particular, I always, I've looked back and I look at it like a three-game series. If we played Michigan City Rodgers in a three-game series, we win one of the three. Right. Or we might win one of five or two out of five. We weren't going to beat them every time. But we got them on a good night. Fast forward to the state finals. Again, here we are, Market Square Arena. I'm a junior. I'm the starting point guard on our team. Um, we had very, very good players. We did not have that, that year's Mr. Basketball, which is the number one best player in the state. Right. But right. myself and the other running mate, the other junior guard was Jeff Gross. And he ended up the next year when we were seniors, he was Mr. Basketball. So oh, very, wow. Very, wow, very you're good. good. Yeah, yeah. Very good players. Um, and so, yeah, we fast forward to the state finals and, and, uh, we won the morning game against Newcastle. And I mentioned Newcastle already right. today, that's the largest high school gym in the nation or in the world right. was Newcastle. We beat them in the morning game. So evening game, we're in the finals, state finals. Our little high school team had never, ever been in the state finals ever. And, and we've got a, you know, we've got a shot at glory. I mean, there's one state champion and, uh, boy, we came out on the right side of that. So uh, how that last play, uh, I know it was a long roundabout to your question. but No, that's okay. I'm glad you did that. That last play was was something. I, I was uh, I was aiming. Really, I was a role player enough that I didn't score a lot of points. I was a setup man as a point guard. I didn't shoot a lot because I didn't need to because we had we had Marty Lehman, Division One player. We had Jeff Gross, which was next year's Mister Basketball. We had we had Rob Brown. We had guys that were good. We didn't go very deep in our bench. We only went six or seven deep at the most. And the other team had a great, great Vincennes Lincoln had a great, um, I guess way to play us they said hey there are three guys that primarily score for the warsaw team let's lay off the other two well i was one of the guys they laid off of so the first play of the game i found myself wide open i mean they had sagged off so far they just ignored me and i said yeah. well forget that and i shot a 15 footer and made it we <laughs> come down and and uh, the second play, the second possession, the second time we get the ball, they did the same thing. They were sticking to their to their script and their storyline, and and uh, um, no one was guarding me again. So I cranked another one and made it. 
So it turns out <laughs> I scored the first seven points for our team. Wow. Uh, wow. And I, I probably averaged five. So I'm already over. I, I mean, I already won. I mean, I don't know if we won again. I've already won. Seven but we got that's fantastic. We got, kind of settled. we got kind of settled in. It was a back and forth game. Uh, Market Square holds 18,000 people. There was not a seat to be had. Wow. Screaming, wacky, nutty Indiana people. So we get to the end of the game and, and uh, we're up a point and they have a, they have a shot to beat us and they have a baseline shot. Uh, the kids from Vincent's Lincoln shoots it and I blocked out and, and he, he shot it from the baseline. And the wildest thing is, is, is you hardly ever get a carom off the baseline. If a kid misses it rarely caroms back to you on a baseline right. shot. Right. Usually goes to the other side of the rim. Right. 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 I wasn't expecting a rebound. I'm a point guard rebound anyway. And I blocked out, just blocked out. Cause I was, I guess, trained to block out. I blocked right, out and right. here comes the ball. And I'm like, Oh crap. <laughs> I grabbed the rebound. And, and so they missed If that shot had gone in, we'd have lost the game and they fouled me and uh, three seconds left. I walked to the other end. We are up one, three seconds left. And I, I knocked both the free throws in to secure the, secure the win. So fantastic. Fantastic. Is it, so is that the only title that your high school has won or? Oh, crazy enough. Yes. Now our women, a shout out to our women's team, 1976. So title nine, I'm not sure exactly when title nine, but I know you've had some programs on that when title nine came about, but women's basketball in Indiana high school women started in 1976 okay we had the first state championship team warsaw women win the first state championship team wow it was super cool and then two years later the women win it again wow and the men were sloughing behind so 1984 has been our only state championship um ever wow wow how cool that is so cool so so that's fantastic. So you have that, you graduate the next year, you go on to DePaul. Um, you played, I assume you played in college as well, right? In basketball at I all? Do, Larry. You, know, you know, the funniest thing, and you talk about move-ins and trays, and that's a time when people didn't move much, but we had a, we were primarily, a, you know, we're primarily a smaller farming community, primarily a, a white community. If you would look at the demographic of our community, um, maybe if you had to trend toward a minority population, it might be Hispanic. Uh, but all of a sudden over the summer, so we win the state championship in 84 and Jeff Gross yeah. and I are juniors. All of a sudden this black kid moves into town and we're like, what's the deal? And the funny thing, and the reason I bring it up, I, I think you're uh, I think your LA fans are going to love this story. Yeah, so this yeah. kid from Nassau, the Bahamas moves in. And the reason he moved to Warsaw, Indiana was the little Christian school in our town. Grace college had gone down to Nassau to play in a tournament and his family hosted the Grace college team. Well, okay. coach got talking to him and said, Hey, our team just won the state championship. You ought to come to Indiana and, and we'll play for play high school back. And he he was a soccer kid. He'd never played high school basketball. Well, let me tell you who the kid was. Rick Fox. Really? Rick Fox. Rick, Rick Fox. Fox. 
Rick Fox, who was played at North Carolina, yeah, played for Lakers, well, of course, Boston Celtics, and then of course played with Shaq and Kobe, yeah. and won three titles for the Lakers. Right. Fox played his first high school basketball game with me my senior year, and we played together at Warsaw High School. That's cool incredible. That? I know that's so cool. Yeah, I love it. So we had a fun senior year. We lost uh, two games my senior year, and uh, we lost by one bucket uh, in the semi-state. That remember the year before we right. beat Rogers' team by a right. bucket. Well, we were we were on the other end of that uh, from going back, probably having two state championships in a row. Wow! Wow! So, so shout out to you, Rick, wherever you are, buddy. I know <laughs> he's out in LA. He is. He is. He yeah. sure is. Cool. So so that's the so you end your high school career like that almost close to winning back to back but get pretty far the is your senior year with rick fox on your team you go to depaul um and so was basketball big part of what you did at depaul as well or not it was larry i mean it's still it still ruled my world i mean you know i it's at that point you know you you've won a state championship and you're you're like a cult hero in indiana so of course I was going to play in college and, and I wanted to be a, a professional, a doctor, a dentist. I, I wanted to go that route. And so that was important to me for, for my life as well. But my last two schools, I was highly recruited by, by middle pack schools. I'm not a, wasn't a great player, but my final two schools were Cornell and DePaul and um, very different schools, uh, but we had an Indiana connection, a strong Indiana connection in the coaching staff at Cornell. Interesting. And I think when we talk about some other things, I think how my life would have been different. Of course, I took a, a, a recruiting visit out to Ithaca. They flew me out to Ithaca to the Finger Lakes and I went through Cornell and, and I loved it. And my yeah, mom yeah. thought it was a little far from Indiana. <laughs> <laughs> so truly, uh, prop, shout out to my mom. Yeah, she, she definitely influenced <laughs> me, but uh, I, I would have never, never had a chance to be in the movie uh, had I gone to Cornell. But I think how my life would have been different with hoops and uh, so many things would have changed. And went to DePaul with a W, D-E-P-A-U-W in, in uh, Greencastle, Indiana, Division Three. So big right. jump from Division yeah. One to Division yeah. Three. Yeah. But when you look at Division Three schools at that level, uh, pretty competitive. And I played, uh, I played three of my four years. The, the year I didn't play was the year I redshirted for the movie. Gotcha. Okay. So that's, that's fantastic. Um, yeah, it is funny when you think about those kind of decisions and the forks in the road in your life. I, 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 you know, have the same thoughts when, you know, in terms of college and law school and stuff, I totally hear you. Um, particularly since I met my wife in law school. Um, right. but, um, uh, <laughs> but, but, uh, in, in any event, um, so let's get, um, uh, let's get to the movie, um, which is just fabulous. Um, you know, I, you know, I, justifiably viewed by many as one of the great sports movies of all time. Um, I remember watching it at the time, of course, with Gene Hackman, uh, Barbara Hersey, um, Dennis Hopper had a significant role. He got an Academy Award nomination for it. Um, So um, talk to me, how do you end up with, I'm sure, all of the gazillion people uh, that uh, were trying out for it? How do you end up being in the movie? 
So it's a funny, so what a three-year blitz in my life. So we win the state championship my junior year and then almost win it my senior year. And then the very next, there I am off to college. And right. August, August hits and, you know, you're on ground and uh, ground zero. And of course we're doing training for basketball. So they have us on campus early. Well, I'm, I'm early enough for your listeners. I'll get us on this one. Of course we didn't have cell phones and, and uh, we had to call home and we had to call collect when we wanted to call our folks. And yeah, I remember yeah, those days. Remember those days. We, we had a sports information director and the sports information director slipped a, this is week one on my, I mean, I'm a freshman in college, my first week on, on campus and DePaul's about an hour from Indianapolis. And he slid under each of the athletes door, a information blitz from the Indianapolis star newspaper about this movie that was going to be filmed in Indiana called Hoosiers. And it gave information on where to go to try out. And I'm, I'm a freshman. I threw it in the trash and didn't think a thing of it. But um, the only reason I uh, was in the movie, Phil Wendell, who, who was a division or, or a DePaul um, point guard, who I was recruited to replace. Phil was a uh, Division three All-American. He was an amazing player at DePaul. Really, really uh, holds so many records there still. He was a senior. I was a freshman recruited to uh, replace him. He comes down to my room and we're just talking. And I mean, Phil Wendell, he could have said anything and I'd have done it. And he asked me, uh, Steve, I know, I know you got a car on campus and mine's busted up and I don't, I don't have a car working. He says, uh, any, any way you'd be interested uh, in a couple of days to go to Indian trial for this movie that, that the sports information director told us about. And I said, yeah, oh yeah, I'd go, I'll go with you, Phil. <laughs> so long story short, we went to the tryout and uh, uh, after many, 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 I mean, we're talking 20, 30 tryouts, Phil, Phil got cut and I got the part. So give people a sense. So how many kids were there for these tryouts? It must've been a, oh, have, a ton of people, right? No idea. Oh, you have thousands, thousands of kids. Thousands. Well, the, yes. The trouble is, is they they put they put the blur, the blurb out on the AP wire. Remember, this is Indiana basketball, right, right? And they said anyone six foot two and under who can play basketball come try out. Well, that's the whole state, Larry. That's, the, that's every kid in the state. So the lines were, you know, the lines were. So they ended up. Uh, I didn't know this at the time, but I found out later. They ended up having trust. So they only wanted, they were looking for eight kids, the Hickory Husker team, eight of right, us. Right. All they wanted, thousands trying out. So they had tryouts in LA. They had tryouts in Chicago, Indianapolis, and New York City. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. And they picked one kid, David Nidor, from LA, and he was already in the Screen Actors Guild at the time. He had done some bit parts and you remember the movie Platoon? He had a role sure. in Platoon. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He had done he had done some and he was in the guild. He was already in the Screen Actors Guild at okay. the time. And then the other seven of us were Who's Your Kids? And they were looking for a certain look and they were looking, you know, the script was already written, obviously, and they were they were trying to reverse engineer it and find yeah. different looks and different Yeah. And that's that's how we found him. But we found out later that Gene Hackman ultimately um, picked 
ultimately the eight kids he had a hand in picking them. Wow. Which was pretty wow. cool to find out. Very, very cool. Very cool. So, um, so what, I mean, God, I have so many questions about this. So what was it like, you know, you're working with, um, well, let me, let me back up just for, I, I can't imagine who is listening to this who hasn't seen the movie, but just to sort of fill in, you know, quickly for people, um, you mentioned Hickory. So it's, it's the story is based on um, a real life, you know, I think it's Milan High School winning in 1954, um, beating, um, uh, I think it was Muncie Central High School um, right. and, you know, the Milan Miracle, you know, and again, as you mentioned, we've talked about earlier, the charm, one of the many charms of the tournament is, you know, you've got little schools, big schools all together. So the movie sort of is based on that. It's called Hickory High, as you mentioned. Um, and, you know, and they end up in the finals against South Bend Central. So that's sort of the general theme. So, you know, and we'll get to sort of how that the movie sort of resolves itself. But it's so one of the many cool things about this is, you know, you win a year or two earlier, you win the state championship by three points. And now you're in a movie where it goes down to the final play as well. But talk to me about what it was like with Gene Hackman. And I mean, here we've got someone who's one of our most decorated actors i mean i go back remember him from the french connection of course you know but so many fantastic roles one of our most celebrated actors what was it like for you you've never done anything in you know acting you know you're not a screen actor skilled member anything like that what's it like working with him and 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 you know becoming an actor you know it was it was cool uh not not something any of us expected again back to the love of the game we loved basketball and we tried out because we love basketball and, and again the fiber of indiana but when you when you look at that so i show up at i show up at college intending to 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 go on and, and get my doctorate and be a doctor and and uh, play college hoops and and move on in my life and i'm calling my parents i show up on campus uh august the 15th and september 25th or around in there roughly a month later i'm calling my parents collect to tell them i'm dropping out of college to make a movie wow so, wow <laughs> that was a strange that was a strange phone call that's I the bet. longest I bet. yeah longest silence now they knew you know they knew i was trying out but i, I don't think they probably expected me to get the part uh, it was certainly a long shot. And so I get the part and I quit school. I drop out. I quit school. And uh, my, my mom in her sage wisdom, uh, after a long bit of silence on that phone call, made me promise one thing that I would return and uh, finish college, which yeah. I promised her I would yeah. do that. And so off I go. So off I go. And it was all filmed. Uh, it was a period piece, to your point. It right. was set in 1950s in Indiana. And here comes, you know, corn's in the field. There's corn in the field. Yeah. You know, you've got the harvest and you've got everything about Indiana and the fall of Indiana, which to a kid, boy or girl in Indiana, the fall, we don't think about golf. I do now, but we don't think about golf. We think about that's when basketball starts is in the fall. We're gearing up for basketball season because October 15th was when the balls got thrown on the floor and that's when got basketball it. started. Got it. Maybe. Got it. So 
it was cool. So it was a period piece. We, it was, it was 100% of it was filmed in the state of Indiana. We did looping. We did some of the technical things. They flew us out to LA to Hollywood. So we were in Hollywood for the technical part of things, but all of the, uh, all the film was filmed in the, in the state of Indiana, which for Hoosiers was a pretty big deal. And, and, you know, hitting the set, um, I think the neatest part, and I guess I'd ask you, Larry, can you imagine, let me ask you this, because I'd like to see what you think. Yeah. What do you think a week, a week, a week of private acting lessons with Gene Hackman would go oh. for at a silent auction? I mean, I mean, uh, you know, a lot. I, I mean, I, I, I can't, you know, it's priceless. I can't even imagine. I mean, be a fortune. Right. So Hackman's commitment, he helped pick the team and he knew we were just who we were just ballplayers. He knew none of us had acted. So his commitment to the, to the writer and director was the, these kids need some acting lessons like quick. So he says, I'm taking it on. So we, wow. we all you know, he flew in, he flew out a week early. He, he, you know, we're meeting a guy and, and I'm so dumb. I, I had, I, I was so dumb at the time. I'm 19. I'm 19 years old. They're like, Gene, I'm like, who's Gene Hackman? I don't know who Gene Hackman is. <laughs> well, I figured out real quick. He just came in in a pair of jeans, a normal everyday guy. He was 50, you know, he'd been 50, maybe three or four at the time. Yeah, that sounds uh, about right. Yeah. And he was at the, to your point, he was at the top of his game. Totally. And he was, yeah. he totally was. Um, the other guys that they interviewed for the Norman Dale, which was his role in the movie, they interviewed Burt Reynolds and they interviewed uh, Nicholson. Jack oh, Nicholson. wow. Wow. And, and Nicholson was kind enough. Nicholson was the one they wanted. And um, Nicholson turned him on to Hackman. Um, so really, uh, really, really kind of cool to hear those backstories that way. Yeah. But, um, to have a week's worth of uh, acting lessons from Gene Hackman, I, I still is one of my treasures in my life, Larry, to this day. I am uh, sure. It, oh, and there we were, the eight of us in a hotel room, and he put us through scenarios, acting scenarios. Uh, some of the things that he he said that he was, and he, he shared the story that um, Dustin Hoffman uh, and him were out in. Um, acting school in New York together. Right. Uh, and these were things that they went through in his training. So he just passed them forward to us. So that was fun. And then, and then uh, Dennis Hopper flew in uh, and, and he screwed up all their insurance because they, they were sure Hopper uh, with all his uh, devices and all his isms that he has going on. They were certain he was going to screw it up. So they told us later that they had to get extra insurance and all this and uh, he played the part well and <laughs> he really did felt he should have won the academy award he, he played an amazing part he he sure did wow what that must have been so cool um and um what a great experience i mean i can't i can't even imagine um so how so you're doing that so when are you going back to school so how how long did it take to do yeah. the whole was it like a semester or was it more than that or you know, it was so lucky. What a great question you asked. The timing of it, I was so blessed that, so I drop out in September 
And the filming of the movie, which, you know, I found out later, you know, you don't film a movie from page one to page right. 100. You know, all <laughs> out right. sequence. I didn't know that was all out right. of order. First thing we ever filmed was a regional game. You know, in my mind, I'm like, no, no, regional doesn't come first. The first game of the season comes first. <laughs> I got a quick education on a lot of things. So uh, it, it, the actual filming time was six days a week. Um, we actually were backed our way in we i'm a screen actors member guild to today i'm a retired screen actors guild member so we backed our way into the guild which is kind of cool uh and, and that's a nice little fun thing and, and we've got a lot of uh, fun out of that but it took about three and a half months to film the whole thing so our last day of filming i actually there's a cool scene that that your listeners if they ever go back and watch hoosiers there's a scene in Hinkle Fieldhouse. Our last day was with uh, a character named Buddy, my, my friend Brad Long. He was another player on the Hickory team. And they had they had shot an upshot of us in Hinkle Fieldhouse. Hinkle Fieldhouse is where Butler University plays. Right, right. And there was an upshot, and Hackman had turned in the huddle. It's the last huddle when, when Jimmy Chitwood makes the last shot to win the game for, for the Hickory Huskers. And and Hackman turns and looks at Buddy and I. Well, they did not have a proper camera angle. And it was going to look stupid if they didn't have an upshot. So they needed to just put us in our uniforms and do an upshot of, of uh, Buddy and I, you know, sweaty like we were in the yeah. game. It's yeah. funny. If you watch that very last huddle, you will notice that takeaway upshot the lighting is completely jacked up. It's completely wrong. It's different. It was another day. We went in and we filmed that on December 24th. Oh, right before Christmas, Christmas and Eve. Everyone wow. wanted out of there. Everyone wanted to fly home for Christmas. And we filmed that. We we looped it. We ended it. And everyone was out of there. So How we made cool. it home for Christmas. So I redshirted my freshman year. I came back and joined the team. And then I practiced with them, but I didn't play that that freshman year. So I missed a semester, ended up graduating uh, from college in three and a half years. Um, so awesome. Cool. Awesome. And one other thing I got to ask you about the movie. So and again, for people who haven't seen it, you mentioned Jimmy Chitwood. Jimmy Chitwood's the star player on the team and he makes the final shot. How many takes did that take? That's a great one. That's so great. That story's so legendary. So we're in Hinkle Fieldhouse and, and uh, you know, time is money. And, and uh, I mean, only in Indiana could you have fans fill Hinkle Fieldhouse to watch a fake basketball game. <laughs> only in Indiana, right? Come on out and watch a fake basketball game. So, I mean, they filled the rafters and, and we had people fill up and and uh as it turned out one of the ways they were doing it back to high school basketball they let us film during halftime of the high school basketball game so they brought ah. one of the local high school teams okay in. got it so they, they were a little worried about getting people to watch a fake basketball game so that yeah. that was their little trick and so they're shuffling people around and 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 the ISSAA, which is the ruling body of indiana basketball says look you you folks have 40 minutes that's all Normal halftime is like 20. We're going to give yeah, you 40. Yeah. That's what you got. Yeah. So they, they tell Jimmy, and the scene was a continuous roll. I steal the ball. We go do yes. the huddle. Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah, I, yeah. exactly. Do the huddle. Jimmy says, I'll make it coach. You know, so we know Jimmy's going to take the last shot. We go right. out. This is a continual. They call it a continual roll. 
and it was rolling. So they told the fans, they said, now look, if Jimmy misses, rush the floor like he made it, and we'll make it look like he made it later in movie world. <laughs> so act happy like he made it. And then and then the director and assistant director are going, these fans, they're too smart. And they're going to, if he misses it, they're, they're not coming on the floor. <laughs> they're they're going to be all screwed up. And as fate would have it, we had so many things go right in that movie because we didn't have a big budget. We had so many things go right. Just, just like Indiana basketball ought to be, we did a continuous roll all the way to the end and the clock's counting down. Jimmy makes his move and he makes it on the first. Wow. 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 It was was cool. And so I think the thing, Larry, that's interesting, I've been asked and interviewed so many times, you know, and my role really, I think the reason I was picked because I won a state championship in real life. And then all of a sudden I'm in a fictitious movie about a state championship buzzer beater at the last you know at the last shot kind of like i made free throws but jimmy right. made it and people said which was better i said no comparison real life except for one minute one moment one moment when jimmy hit that shot and we celebrated i'm telling you larry to this day i could not separate reality from fiction wow it felt so real wow so real to me to this wow. day, that, that moment felt so real. That's cool. And it's such a it's such a fantastic movie. So um, that's awesome. So let me ask you, so before we sort of we're going to circle back, we're going to get back to golf. And we want to talk about your dentist, uh, phenomenal dentist career. But, but before we leave the movie, um, any thought having that experience, did it sort of whet your appetite towards, gee, you know, is maybe acting or something could be in your future? Did you think about that at all? What a, what a sage question. Um, you know, it's funny. And I wish I wouldn't have listened as well as I did. And the reason I didn't go on in acting was because of Gene Hackman. And this is this is a probably not so well-known story. He wrapped the set. He loves St. Elmo's, which is a, a, a local uh, oh. famous restaurant. In steak. Yeah, oh, I've been Europe. there. A great steakhouse. I, it's big thumbs up from me. I've eaten there before. It's fantastic. The uh, shrimp cocktail to be. Uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, That's up, what they're known for. Right. Exactly. Put up against anybody in the world. Well, well Hackman's favorite place, of course, was St. Elmo's. So he had the cast party in St. Elmo's in the basement. They have a library and unbeknownst to us he had gotten us all plaques with one of our you know my my big scene was where i punched the guy and yes and, uh, right. get thrown out of the game and after i get thrown out i say i got him a good one didn't i coach that was my big line so hackman on a plaque he put that line and then he put from coach dale and then he and he and we have those and he autographed those for all so anyway oh, wow. he was going to give us those at, oh, the, wow. at the closing dinner but hackman kind of being the you know hopper was kind of like the fun guy that hung out with it. he was like one of the 19 year olds i mean hopper was just crazy he was i can only imagine only imagine yeah <laughs> so fun hackman was a little more like the dad figure and and he kind of you know even from the start when he gave us acting he kind of looked after us i mean he kind of did look after us guys and, and i always i mean he really he really did put himself kind of in that coaching role he was kind of like in character Right. It was it was it was pretty powerful to watch the guy. I mean, he was 
you know, that's back when you said you were in Chicago at the time. It right. to me it was like watching Michael Jordan. I mean, you knew you were watching the best. You were watching. watching He's great. Yeah, absolutely. One of the greatest of his generation, for sure. He was unbelievable to watch him go from rehearsal and turn on. He he could in an instant be in character. He could be Norman Dale in an instant. And I, I you go back to golf and I look at, you know, Xander Shoffley just won. And, and right. you look at you look at those guys and they're kind of talking and chit chatting down the fairway. And then they go up to their ball. And it's almost like those guys are like Gene Hackman. They yeah. just yeah. they go into golf mode. I yeah. don't know how they do it. Phenomenal. That was cool to watch. But anyway, back to the closing. Hackman gave us those things. He went around. The, the epiphany moment for me, Larry, was he went around and he said, guys, and, and we didn't know he was setting us up. We didn't know what the question, but he was setting us up. He said, hey, guys, tell me what you were doing before three months ago. What were your dreams? What were you what were you going for? So little Ollie, who shot underhand, Ollie was yep. a junior yep. in high school at LM High School. He was, he says, he says, he says, Coach Dale, you know, Gene, or we called him Mr. Hackman. I mean, we had great respect. He said, Mr. Hackman, I, 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 I'm in high school. I, I want to be a farmer. And it was true. That's what he wanted to do. Great. Okay. He went around and, and uh, the one kid was a, was a uh, Jostens rings salesman. Um, and he said, well, I, I, I like my job. And I said, well, I want to, you know, I'm in college and I want to be a doctor or a dentist. That's what I want to be. So he, he, he went around everybody, nobody except for um, David Nydorf, who came from LA, who was in the guild already. Yeah. No one wanted to be an actor. That wasn't their answer. So he said, guys, listen, I live in Hollywood and I have starving artists, starving actors serve me dinner every night at a different restaurant. Right. And he said, it's a tough, it's a tough place to be. So unless you just think that's what you need to be, I would go chase the dream you had three months ago and don't let this, don't let this mess you up. So unfortunately I listened to him. I, I, I think what my life would have been different, but uh, yeah, that's kind of how I got, to, got back to school. Well, let, well, let, well, let's, uh, that's great. I love that story. And that's a perfect segue to sort of what your career has been, which is, you know, um, following in the footsteps of your dad, I think, um, in terms of the dentist practice. Um, I think if I'm remembering right, your dad founded the practice in what, 1966, practiced for 50 years till his retirement. You're there now, and I. It's let's talk a little bit about that. You have your son Bennett, who's with the in the practice with you. So it's sort of like, you know, the Holler Dynasty in dentistry in Warsaw. Um, but that must be incredibly gratifying for you. It certainly is. If you ever break a tooth in Northern Indiana, we got you covered. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, 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 all joking aside, it's, it's been, it's been humbling. It's been, uh, I would rechoose what I have done. Uh, clearly, uh, early on, uh, had, had some fun things, uh, happen to me, but, uh, what, a what, a what an honorable thing to be a dentist. I love it. Uh, not many people would say that or, and, or choose to do it, but, uh, it's, it's my jam. I love it. And then during that time, uh, after graduating from, from college, uh, I discovered a new sport that uh, has turned my crank ever since, and that's golf. Uh, yeah, so let's talk. So, so um, 
and and you know so everyone's aware of it. i mean you know you're you're being modest i mean the dentist practice you guys have i mean you know your your dad was significant in the state in dentistry you are i mean that's obviously been a tremendous professional career a big part of your life but how did you get involved with golf um and because you're not just a casual golfer and we'll we'll talk about that but how did that enter into your life you know, it's funny. I got to credit my brother-in-law. So he, he was a, he was a basketball player too, but he, he, unlike me, one of his sports, he chose, I have one sister. So he married my sister. He was a golfer and he golfed in college and high school. And he, he's the one that really uh, kind of drugged me uh, and, and got me golfing. And, uh, you know, I made a bold promise uh, early on as, as I, as I uh, was frustrated by so many who start late into golf, yeah, which yeah. I, I'm sure I'll compassion from some of the listeners. I mean, what a, what a much, what a gift to start early, but what, yeah. a, what a great difficulty to start late. Um, when you're, I, I didn't, so I really didn't play my first round probably until my late twenties, early thirties. Mm. Well, after uh, graduate school and, and, uh, funny, uh, funny thing. I, I promised this brother-in-law that someday, uh, thanks to him a few years after I really got interested and like many happened. I mean, I got, I got hooked. Yeah. I, I, I like, this is the greatest. What, a, what a great sport. You hit it in the pond and you got to put a, another ball down and you still got to get it over the pond. So to me, exactly. it was like, it was like the thrill of, I either had to make the last free throws or you didn't. I mean, no one right. else was going to do it. I right. kind of like that about golf. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. for sure. Um, and, you know, and we're going to talk about sort of, you know, uh, some of the places you've played, but you also got involved in the Western Golf Association, which um, uh, talk to me a little about that in terms of how you got involved in that. And, and, and maybe let's just talk about it generally. I mean, it's such a fantastic golf organization. I mean, having spent 10 years uh, of, of my life after uh, law school in Chicago, um, a little bit familiar with it, you know, of course the Western open, which they were, you know, once upon a time that was actually viewed as a major tournament. If we go back into the twenties and stuff and, uh, but the chick Evans scholars and everything, it's a fantastic organization. So talk to me how you got involved in that and kind of a little bit about the WGA. Well, thanks. Uh, I feel blessed because dentistry and working hard and, and, and taking your lunch pail has afforded me one I had, a, you know, we all set goals. And, and, and if you don't, boy, I, I would hope everybody does. But uh, one of my goals was I never want to mow my own lawn in the Midwest when I can afford to do it. I want to hire that done because I was the lawn boy for, for and I said the first if, if I can ever afford to hire the lawn out. So I got that done. I, I've accomplished that. <laughs> one. And, and my second was after I got the golf bug, I said, I, I, I want to someday if I can afford it to join a real country club. Yeah. Uh, one that, one that, uh, my family could enjoy my wife and I could enjoy the culinary side of it. And there was, you know, there was more maybe than to golf, maybe a full service kind of way yeah, of thinking. Sure. That was a goal. So in Northern Indiana, you're, you're, you're a little limited. Um, so my club that I joined is about 45 minutes from Warsaw. It's in Fort Wayne, Indiana, and it is Sycamore Hills golf club. And it is, it is consistently top three in the state of Indiana. Wow. Cricket stick, which you're a yep. lot of people yep. know cricket stick where John Daly won. Yeah, of course. Um, yeah. yeah. And, and, 
it, it, Sycamore Hills is, is definitely one of the top three. So when you look at that, uh, and, and I'm trying to answer your question on the, on the WGA and being a director, that, that really had afforded me. And, and I guess I've always been, um, I guess, health conscious from being a doctor and, and, yep. and, that, and, and I love to walk. So when I, when I joined Sycamore uh, and they had a caddy program, um, almost every year I'm the number one looper of, of people that take caddies. Wow. And I would, I would walk any chance I could get. And to me, it was, it was great. I got two things done. I got to play a game I love and I got to, to walk and I got to enrich a young kid. Yeah, um, absolutely. Or girl and enrich their lives, which just is awesome for me. So I, I was asked and I got a, a chance probably through, again, just the love of the game and love walking. Um, I got asked by um, management and we have a pretty robust caddy program there. We, uh, we have Evan Scholars and we have, uh, I think this year uh, I'm on the caddy committee. We have over 30, 30 to 40 caddies that loop regularly at our wow, club. Wow, that's and, a good number. Yeah. We have a management team that is, uh, and owners, uh, fabulous owners there that support it. I know some are a little bit bitter that they lose revenue and some of these other things, but not there. And, and uh, so I, I got invited to be a director at the WGA, which you mentioned is Western Golf Association. And, and you know, I was looking, it's so interesting. Chick Evans started, I think, in the 30s, 20s or 30s, and um, with the idea of, of uh having caddies and let's get kids involved in golf with caddy and they don't have to be a golfer, but let's find them an avenue and a way to get their college paid for. Not, not only college, but their room and board also. Yeah. Yeah. And they've done that. So it's, it's a passion. Um, I'm basically by being a director, Larry, I'm a sponsor at my own club. Uh, and, and then I, you know, support it through, you know, the upline would be the WGA and people would know it. Uh, the, I think the BMW, you could correct me on that. I think the BMW is, is a, a WGA event now. Yeah. That's sort of been the successor because they folded it into the playoffs and stuff and, and, and yeah. And the BMW, yeah. that's right. So, so a lot of those, so that's where they get a lot of their funding along with they've started a foundation. So, um, they, the WGA has supported, and then people like guys, you know, just grassroots guys at my club, we have the first event of the year at our club is to support the WGA and, uh, the money goes into their foundation. And I think currently, I mean, I looked, it was interesting because, uh, you guys being on the West coast, they can even go to the university of Washington and be wow. a Evan scholar, uh, in Indiana, they can go to Indiana university they could go to Notre Dame. Um, they can go to Purdue University. Um, and I think, yeah, I think those are the three choices in Indiana. But each state's got some choices of schools at the kid. And they, these are not, those are, those are really solid schools. Oh, they're more than solid. They're fantastic schools. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So it's a, I can talk all day about the WGA. I think it's a great program. Uh, I love what it does it changes kids lives and usually what you'll see larry is you'll see those kids even if they're not golfers we've had them they, they, they don't even play golf but they learn to respect the game they learn how to be a caddy they learn that job and then through their job their senior year and basically they have to have financial need and great grades if they've got both those things financial need and great grades um 
they got a chance of being an Evans scholar, which is pretty neat. And just a sense of the magnitude for people listening. I mean, how many different, yeah. you know, people go to college a year or, I mean, just because yeah. I know it's a huge program. It is huge. So they've afforded, I think over, it's, I think it's around 13, 14,000 scholarships, wow. but anyone, any given year. So a scholarship's a rolling one. So you think about school, it's your freshman, sophomore, junior, senior. So it's a four-year role. Right. So at any one time, they have a thousand full ride kids across the nation uh, in scholarship is the number. Wow. That's fantastic. Pretty yeah. Pretty um, that's awesome. Um, so, so, and um, just generally, and I, I'm trying to figure out how I can sort of convey this to people, but you're the scope of places you've played. Um, you are, you, you mentioned you got the golf bug in your late twenties, early thirties. And, and, you know, you, you, you certainly still have it big time, right? Because besides <laughs> your uh, playing, I mean, you play all over, right? I mean, you've, you know, all over the U.S. I mean, when you and I saw each other um, in San Diego uh, a couple of months ago, you were on your way to, you know, one of the hallowed places uh, in American golf, Chicago Golf uh, Club, um, uh, just some wonderful places, right? Absolutely. And, and you know, the WGA connection has, has, uh, has made some neat, you know, me be able to have access just you know a very average golfer uh have access to to some cool places um it, it's been neat i i would say when you look at uh and it's it's funny um it, it's really afforded our family too uh both my both my boys played collegiately and oh, so wow. we got them, okay. unlike, unlike myself uh we got them started early um and so yeah we took we took a lot of golf vacations we kind of had a rule but i'm sure a lot of your listeners are the same way <laughs> if i'm gonna play if i'm gonna play golf once i i might rent some clubs if i'm gonna play more than twice on a trip the clubs are coming with me absolutely uh, absolutely so, yeah i've got a lot in the i've got a lot of places in the bank and and uh, i always love all the lists i'm kind of a I'm kind of a list guy and, and I love the rankings of courses. Yeah. I love hearing people's, what is your favorite? Because I think weather and I think how you played the course. Sure. There's so many factors that go into what your favorite is. So what's yours? <laughs> well, I break it by U uh, S and, and overseas. Fair enough. Okay. I'll let that's fair. I break that down. Well, I, I, uh, I certainly, U.S. is Pine Valley, number okay. one. Okay, that's hard to, hard to argue with. Number, number two, um, without a doubt, is, is, uh, has got to be Pebble. Um, Pebble Beach is, is, is quite, a, quite a phenomenal place. I, I've not had the opportunity to play Cyprus. I hope to someday. Uh, that would be a cool walk, I think. Um, and yeah, this this is this may be a historic moment because this might be the one course I've played that you haven't played. Um, I, I actually got the chance to play Cyprus about eighteen months ago, and I definitely would. Um, that's a bucket list item. I'm sure you'll get there, but that's a phenomenal place. Yeah, Monterey Peninsula Country Club was fun too out there. Oh, They're those are great. Many, 
California up and down Posse Tempo when, when I, Harding Park and, and up and down the California. I, I, I'd come to California and to New York, man, if you wanted to say, uh, let's play. <laughs> and there, there are so many jewels uh, in the Midwest, you know, when you, when you look at all the great courses in the Midwest, um, our, our course is amazing. We just, we just blow people away. I mean, the, the, they're, the rounds, it's so easy to get on and, and uh, it's easy to play and, and uh, we don't have tee times as, as being troublesome. So it's, it's, it's pretty interesting. Um, but yeah. I, I also like, I've also gotten into the history of golf, Larry, and I like designers. When you, when you look at the design, you know, when you look at the McKenzie and, and you see what he has done at Cypress and, and Posse Temple, and then he comes west uh, what, what's the, what's the one, and, and it's on my list, I'm playing it next year, in northern Michigan. Um, uh, oh, um, Crystal Down. That, yeah, that McKinsey did. Yeah, Crystal exactly. Down, that's, it's like a Tom Doak favorite, um, you yeah. know, who, you know, for folks, I'm sure people listening to this would know Tom Doak's name, but, you know, an architect in his own right, and you know, um, uh, famous for writing that confidential guide to golf courses, um, with very candid reviews of a lot of courses. And he, um, he, he really helped put crystal down on the map because although it'd been around for a long time, I think it kind of gotten forgotten because it's up there in Northern Michigan, but yeah, that I've never played there, but I've seen the pictures. It looks spectacular. And it's a McKinsey course and it has, yeah. So the interesting thing about Crystal Downs that I just found out is you have to live in that county to be a member. And Dokes lives in that county. Wow. So I know he lived there. I didn't know that was actually a requirement to become a, a member that you had to live there. Wow. Yes. Uh, period. No, wow. and, and it's member member played. So it's you have or member assisted or yeah. you yeah. know what I'm trying to say. You have to yeah. Be. So at any rate, and then when you cross the pond, my, my two favorite uh, overseas, which uh, hopefully some of the guys and gals have had a chance to play, um, my number one in Ireland, and I, I, I think I played them all. Uh, it's funny, I just watched the the uh, the thing at Adair Manor. My wife and I played uh, Adair Manor. We were there three months after it had reopened mm. and played Adair. And I'm telling you what, it is the – Augusta of Ireland. That's a pretty cool place. And yeah, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. They have sub air. A lot of people don't know they have sub air greens there. It's the only sub air in Ireland. Yeah. Yeah. The condition uh, my, favorite, my favorite in Ireland is, is Lynch. Number one. Um, ah, they, okay. They, I love Lynch. Uh, they tell me I was at old head. I, I, uh, the weather was so bad. I'm not sure I was ever there, but they tell me I was there. <laughs> and then we went, we went up north and yeah ireland's cool and then and then my favorite in scotland uh, no question is is turnberry yeah and no there's not even a, it's, it's actually my number one in the world is turnberry really and the wow. reason it was very that one um my son who was 16 at the time we played turnberry seven days after tom watson missed the putt oh wow 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 it's, wow the stands were still up. The whole cut, of course, the hole had been moved, but the whole cut was there. You could see, you could where see the it. Hole was. You could see it. Yeah. Yeah. That was amazing. Right. I mean, it was, um, that was like, would you have chipped it, Larry, would you have chipped that shot or putted it? 
uh, Watson's where he was over the green? You know, um, that's a great question. Um, and I remember reading Watson talking to Nicholas after it was all over. And, you know, Watson was wondering whether he should, and, and Nicholas said, oh, he did the right thing putting it. Um, I will tell you this. I mean, it's, it's obviously the putting, putting it was safer, um, yeah. but it's going to, it's, it's, what did he end up like six, seven feet past? I think it's hard to get it much closer than that putting it. Um, and you know, if you hit and he was so, I mean, I know he was 59 then, but he was so good around the greens and you would have thought, you know, particularly with a lob wedge, you could have just popped it up and you would have think he would have gotten closer than the six, seven feet he would putting it. I, I'd have to go back and look, I'm trying to remember the lie he had, but, um, I probably would have chipped it just because I just think it's really hard. Your adrenaline is going and to sort of, you know, cause you have to go up that hill. Um, so just right. you, you, people listening to this, okay, let, let me just set the stage a little bit. Cause you and I obviously know it like the back of our hands, but so, you know, this is of course, Watson coming down 59 years old, everyone, of course, you know, making big deal last year about Phil, you know, becoming the oldest 51 to win the PGA at Kiowa. Tom Watson's 59, you know, coming down the stretch um, in um, 2009 at Turnberry. Um, and he hits, uh, and, and, you know, and Andy North and him are such good friends. And Andy North was the commentator on ABC, which was doing the open back then. And you could just hear it in Andy's voice. But anyway, you know, he had, as, as we'll see at St. Andrews in a few days, you know, very firm turf. And he hits a perfect drive. All he needs is to make par and hits his. And he hits that nine iron and just takes a big, big bounce. Um, and, and it just rolls and the pin is all the way back and the, it rolls over and, the, and there's a little down slope that goes over the green and he goes down. So his ball is sitting below the green. He does not have much green to work with. Um, and so it's a, it's a tough pitch, but you know, it's hard to, so you have to hit the putt hard enough to get up the slope just to set the stage for people. Um, but then you don't want it running too far by and, you know, he hit it. And I, I think he hit a, I, I don't, I, I tell you, I think if you put 10 balls there, I think it's hard to get with a putter much closer than he did because to hit it hard enough to go up the hill, it's going to go by. So, you know, he hit it by six feet. So just that's to set the stage for everyone. But to answer your question, yeah, I probably would have pitched it because I just think, Yes, you're bringing, you know, it's true. You're, I mean, putting it, you're taking six out of the equation. He's not going to make worse than five and be in a playoff. So, and you're bringing six into the equation with a chip because you could catch that bank and roll right back down to your feet, but you're going to get it a lot closer too with the pitch. So I would have gone with the pitch shot. So it's so funny, and I love your answer because my son, who ended up playing collegiately, he was 16 at the time. We put balls down, and you ah. set that up. You set that up so perfectly. The only factor I think you missed is yeah. he was going back into the wind. Yeah, oh, wind that's a good point. Yep. Yeah, and yep. so, but it was quite a steep incline. I will tell you, at my handicap level, I would not have chipped that. I never would have chipped it. My son would have always chipped it. Yeah. He, yeah. he couldn't have understood putting it and I couldn't have. So it was funny. It was a 50 cent flip for he and I, and we tried it both ways, each of us. And we walked off and the caddy master was there at Turnberry 
and he saw I had a young kid, a 16 year old, which, you know, was my son. He pulls right, us right. over and he says, he said, he said uh, so you going to chip it or pitch it or uh, putt it or, or chip <laughs> it. He, and my son said, oh, you would have chipped it. And he said, and stands were still up. Remember where they're yeah, seven yeah, days right, after. You're so seven days after. They, don't, they, they don't do anything fast in England. I mean, those stands <laughs> probably could have been there for months. I mean, they had picked up the trash, but that was about it. But uh, the, the, the guy goes, yeah, you might have pitched it, but these stands weren't full and it wasn't for the claret jug. Yeah, that's, that's a great answer. Yeah. That's a great I answer. What, I don't know what the answer was, but um, I'll tell you, you talk about, you know, some people say Hoosiers was the greatest sports movie of all time and it gets ranked that. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I, I, I selfishly think it is, but I, I would argue anybody had Watson Park, oh, eight yeah. Tina Turnberry. I think it's the greatest sports story of all time. I, I, I totally that, agree. I mean, that was just out of nowhere. Um, oh. Yeah, it was just unbelievable. I and it was just I just remember watching it. The putts he was knocking in, building, building. And of course, yeah. you know the other thing again, just for uh, you know it because I know how well you know golf history. But just to set it for people listening to the, it's at Turnberry. It's not just Tom Watson, and it's not just that it's fifty nine, but it's at Turnberry. And, you know, we're, you know, 32 years later, one of the greatest, um, maybe the greatest, you know, one-on-one duels in major championship golf history with him and Nicholas in 77. Um, and, you know, they were like something like 10 shots clear of the field, the two of them, um, uh, uh, um, kind of a little bit the way Stenson and Mickelson were, you know, six years ago um, in that very, British Open. Very but similar. Very, very similar, similar. But, but I mean, it's just mano a mano and, you know, and, 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 you know, Watson had, you know, I mean, Nicholas is Nicholas, but Watson kind of had his number. He had beaten him in the 77 masters. And of course he would famously go on to, you know, cost Jack his fifth U S open a few years later, pebble when he chips in. Um, but they were just um, going mano a mano there. And I'm sure you remember this, right? I mean, my memory of that last hole um, is, you know, Nicholas had missed a putt on seven, 17 is a, is a birdie par five. And Nicholas had like a five footer and Nicholas never missed a critical putt like that. And he missed the birdie putt. So he's down by one and he hits his drive. You know, he tries to just muscle a drive on 18 and he hits it in that bush on the right side of the fairway. And, you know, Watson just, I think even hit an iron off the tee, you know, just stripes it down the middle. And it's like, I don't even think Nicholas could sort of get a club on the ball and he somehow muscles it, you know, through the, this little bush, you know, tree and puts it on the green, like 32, 34 feet away. It was just miraculous that he even put it on the green and Watson hits a seven iron to like two feet. Um, and, and, you know, and but here's and, the best part. Oh, well, here's the best part. Right. And Watson turns to Alfie, his caddy, who he's had, for all of his, you know, open victories. And he turns and, and Nicholas's putt isn't just 32, 34 feet. It's over a slope and everything. And Watson turns to his caddy and says, Alfie, he's going to make this. And <laughs> oh, he did. Yeah. And sure enough, of course, Nicholas did. So Watson had to make the two footer, which he did to win it. Um, so, I mean, so, so to have it 32 years later at age 59 on the same hole, the same, well, it was just amazing. So I'm with you 100%. Would have been the greatest sports story ever. 
And, and the amazing thing, Larry, on the second time around when he was 59, he was 165 yards and he hit a nine iron. Nine iron, right. Wind. But they, they've gone back and looked at the green. And when you watch the Open Championship, the 150th this week, I mean, it really matters where the ball hits on the green. What Absolutely. Look, where, if it hits a mound that's slanted at 14 degrees, it kicks it right. It ended up, they went back and, and did some computer technology and mapped that green. He hit on the slightest downslope. Yeah. Had he hit anywhere else, yeah. that ball is a kick in par. Easy. Yeah. Yeah. So it was amazing. So anyway, back to your, that is why Turnberry is just so, when we look at our favorites, that's why I like lists and I like talking to people. And there's, you know, we, we I love Band and Dunes. There's never a wrong answer. You know, the, the folklore around Band and Dunes is what's your favorite course at Band and Dunes? And, and the last time I was there, a guy told me the last one I played. That's my favorite course. <laughs> yeah, so you've been to Bannon a bunch of times, I'm sure, right? At least several times. I mean, I've it's a great six, place. I've been there six times, yeah. Six times. Wow, you beat me. Um, that, yeah, it's it's a phenomenal place. Have you played Sheep Ranch out there, the new one? Yeah, I love it. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that's a phenomenal that's place. Who would so have I'm, thought? I've got, a neat, I've got a neat opportunity. I'm, I'm, uh, I don't think many U.S. golfers get a chance, but I'm headed to Japan. Mm. Uh, next April and I'm playing in Japan. And when you think about golf, um, this is something I never thought I would do, but I got the opportunity and I jumped at it. So we're, we're playing uh, eight of the top 10 in Japan and wow. it is really, so when you think of Shoffley won the 2020 Olympics, Olympics in Japan right, right. at the Olympic course, that course is rated number seven in the top 10 in Japan. Wow. The Olympic okay. courses. Yeah. So we're playing Hirona, which is number one, uh, Kawana, uh, Ner- I don't even know how to pronounce half of them, but Tokyo Golf Club. Uh, so I, I just can't, I can't wait. Uh, culturally, I've never been to Japan. So when you look at that, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll add that one to my, uh, to my list. And then I've got another I'm headed back in, in, uh, later next summer, we're headed back to the Scottish Highlands. So oh, wow. We're play the, we're going to play the B courses. We're going to, of course, fold in door knock and, and, uh, uh, Royal Aberdeen. We played, we played tr- Trump's, uh, um, at Trump Aberdeen, uh, yeah. about yeah. three days after it opened maybe a couple of years ago, but we missed Royal Aberdeen and I really feel like I missed a gem. So, we're going to scoop up Royal Aberdeen and then head north and do most of our Nairn. We're going to play up there. We're going to play oh, wow. uh, a lot of the B courses. Um, Fantastic. Rose, Rose Markey and I could go on. But, oh, yeah. yeah. And, and Dora, you know, I, so as usual, you're ahead of me. I mean, I've never made it up north to Doorknock. I mean, everyone who has talks about what an incredible experience that is. You will have a great time. Um, yeah. That's fantastic. Hey, Steve, this has been, uh, yeah, absolutely. Steve, this has been awesome. This has been so much fun um, uh, just going through all this with you. Um, and uh, I love that you're continuing to travel and play all over the place. Um, and um, uh, just, and, and I know we're going to cross paths again. Um, and uh, you know, you have a standing invitation to come out to Brentwood anytime you're, uh, anytime you want, because we had a lot of fun. 
Thank you. You know, I, I think the hope is uh, so many of these places uh, can be accessed by the public. And, yes. you know, I, I think that for sure, I think that it is. Really, I really endear that. You know, when we talked about the WGA and we talk about yes. golf, you know, when I think about we talk a lot about basketball today. I mean, the thing I like about basketball is, is if you've got a ball and a rim, you can go play. Right. Uh, and, and I love I love Muni golf. I love public courses. I love accessibility. And I, and I like that golf has really, you know, faced up to that and, and uh, affords that as an opportunity at so many levels. I think that's cool. And I think Scotland and I think Ireland has got it right because almost every one of them undeniably is public. And I really support that. And I hope the U.S. can, uh, I hope the U.S. can embrace that moving forward. I know there's a place for private clubs. I get all that, but the the accessibility to golf for so many is I, I think I think it's a big deal. I hope I hope people uh, continue to embrace that idea. Yeah, I'm glad. I just want I want to just emphasize. I'm glad you mentioned that because that is something that is different about the courses in the U.K. than they are here. Um, and again, people. I'm sure a lot of people know this, but some listening may not that, you know, you can, you know, have right in advance to even a place like Muirfield, which is probably, you know, the zenith of private courses um, in the UK and Scotland. And, you know, they reserve times and certain days for people who have written in advance to request playing there to play. Um, even it, even though that is an absolute private, you know, and very illustrious private club. So I, I'm with you hundred percent on that. I think it's, those are treasures and it's a wonderful thing to be able to, you know, afford people the opportunity to experience them. Larry, I love your show. I'm honored. Uh, thanks. And, uh, until we meet again, Fred, I appreciate you. I appreciate it. Thank you, sir.